Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. Why do you do what you do? How do your values influence your value and worth? How can you improve your ability to communicate your needs, wants, and desires? I explore these questions and more in today's episode of Getting Work to Work. Suman Cherry is the founder and CEO of Cherry Talent Group and describes herself as a hiring matchmaker. In this conversation, she shares wisdom learned from doing the deep work of recruitment for 20 years. She talks about the role values play in determining worth and value, why communication and feedback are essential, how people can improve their visibility with recruiters, and the role mistakes play in building a more impactful, purposeful business. We also discuss what AI will bring to recruitment and what it can never replace, the ability to learn about a person in conversation. Finally, if you wonder how self-growth influences your work, Suman explains what she is learning on her healing journey. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 702. What are you endlessly curious about? People. I'm a people person. I'm like so interested in how humans work, myself included. It's like relationships and how triggers and how does it all work? How or why are we the way we are? (laughs) Of the things that you've learned about people, what blows your mind the most when you think about it? I think for me, it's this misconception that we are so different. Like we are different. We all have our own ways of doing things. We have our unique paths. But what do we really all want from a fundamental level as a human? It's so similar, you know, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of political party it is or race or gender or any of those things. None of those things are matter when you really talk to people and you ask them, what do they really want? What is really important to them? Everybody has very similar wants and needs and desires as humans. Was that something that you had to learn the hard way or was that more of just a byproduct of the work you've done? I think it's a combination of both, right? I think, um, you know, I'm I'm about to turn 45 and I think this is probably a lesson I'm just learning the last few years, I think. But in relationships and being a mom and navigating all those things with work and what I do, yeah, I think that having that deeper understanding of how humans, how we all are and how connection and being seen and heard and felt is so important helps me in like every avenue of my life. Yeah. I'm intrigued too, because there's, there's the idea of we know what we need and we know what we want. Usually sometimes we don't, but it's learning how to communicate that, that sometimes is the hardest for people. Yeah, the communication piece is really difficult because we sort of live in this world of this, like we always want to not upset people and we always want to do more or we're trying to prove something or we feel like we're strange because we're and all these stories we create, right? And yeah. and they're fundamentally, I mean, I've done a lot of work with how the subconscious works and all these pieces and fundamentally, we actually are wired specific ways because our childhoods and how we grew up and those types of things. So if you grew up in a 
in a childhood or in an environment that was very difficult to express as a child, that's going to show up in your or what your needs are. That's going to show up in your everyday life. And I think that's the case for most of us, honestly, that we have all have a very difficult time defining like what our real needs are because it's about boundaries and boundaries are super uncomfortable in our life because boundaries are for us, but not everyone's always happy with our boundaries right. and it's us to adhere to them. And that is probably, that is so challenging. And also this kind of belief that everyone, you kind of, this misconception on social media that everyone else has it figured out, but the truth is nobody has it figured out and we're all just figuring it out. So right. like this worth piece, right? Like, yeah. am I really worthy to ask for this much money? Am I really worthy to do this with my life? Am I really worthy to have those big dreams? Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot of that comes from, the communication yeah. piece. That's, I mean, you just said so many things that got my Sorry. mind like <laughs> ping-ponging around. No, never apologize. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and I want to go back to what you said about the subconscious, because I think about work. I wonder how much of the work we do is actually a part of our childhood experience. Because like, I know sometimes yeah. we're told certain things as a child. Yeah. But it's not just that. I think it's the the worth piece. It's the, yeah. the things that we feel about ourselves and are told about ourselves that yeah. translate to our journey. Oh, absolutely. I mean, our subconscious the way it works is that if you think of it as an iceberg, right? This giant iceberg consciously, which like, so conscious when you're awake, when you're aware, right? It's 5%. That's 5% of us is, is, is this awareness piece of consciousness. Wow. So 95% of our, of our subconscious and all of our belief systems and our values and how, what we believe to be true is like hidden, right? It's hidden in this iceberg. And even though we believe that, oh my gosh, I'm going to do something, but we don't because it's wired in a certain way that we react a certain way to situations. We're triggered by certain things. And yes, our childhood defines so much of it because our role models were our parents and the teachers and our influence and our peer groups. And depending on how, what was going on in our own family's dynamic, you know, our parents themselves, they did their best, but they had their own things they were bringing in and we were children. We were children and we were wired in a certain way because of that. And there's some personality pieces that come along with that. But the worth piece is just a very, it's not something that anyone doesn't deal with. Everyone has this belief that we're, we have to do something to prove our worth or our love or whatever. When the truth is like, we're all already inherently that we just can't see it because we're wired in a certain way that doesn't allow us to consciously understand that. And I see the connection strong to the world of work, too, because when we struggle to communicate our worth or to feel worthy, that comes into play with the jobs that we choose, the careers we end up in, and really how much money we end up making on yeah. a daily basis. Well, for sure, because we settle for situations, we'll stay at jobs longer because of the fear of leaving this position, even though that job is very, it might be a, it might be something that's just a toxic situation for us for whatever reason. And then those pieces carry over to our family. I mean, they're not, there's not separation, right? I mean, everything leaks into all parts of us. So then it leaks into believing that our personality is this, but it's, or this is who we are. And then we attract situations like that because that's what feels familiar. And so, yeah, it, it, so much of it is a mindset piece because 
we are programmed a specific way to believe a certain thing. But the truth is, is that nobody deserves to be in an environment where they feel fear. Nobody should have to come to work where they're dread. I mean, we all have our bad days and we all have our bad moments, but everyone has the right to work in an environment that is growing and thriving and has leadership that cares. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in that environment, it's not an environment to foster growth. You know what I mean? Because it all comes from the top. So if you're in an environment where the leadership is not transparent, it's, it is like a lot of fear and those pieces, your success and your worth is not going to ever be seen by those leaders. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And as you're describing the, the ways that we can sometimes sabotage ourselves and, and, um, it, it really speaks to the work that you do as a professional matchmaker of being right. able to help people be seen so that you can then connect them to places that maybe they don't think that they're worthy of, but you believe right. they're worthy of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. What I do is um, I am a, like, we're professional matchmakers. I mean, you know, we, Obviously, we work with our clients. We try to really understand what our clients' needs are, who they are as a company. We do a pretty deep evaluation on the companies that we bring on as well um, as clients. I've been doing this a long time, so I know what types of clients I want to work with, honestly. Um, and and then when we speak with our candidates, we we really try to understand, like, we see beyond the resume. We have practical advice for them, logistical advice for them. Even if we're not going to help them, like we don't have a position for them, we always try to have them walk away from a deeper understanding of what they can do or how they can take deeper responsibility for their own job search and accountability of what they can do and how you know they can be consistent to finding the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what it is, right? It's that connection, the relationships and the trust that you build. And then you send them to the client and it's not your decision whether the client hires them, but you, right. but you definitely let your client know why, you know, my, our clients really trust us because we have this relationship with them. So they really trust the candidates we present to them because we source a lot of people and we, and since we're not contingent based, like a traditional recruiting firm, we're so much more consulting based. Okay. Yeah. So we work on an hourly basis versus a contingent basis. So it's a much more intimate, more communication based relationship um we get feedback quickly you're not getting ghosted you know there's no ghosting going on at ctt oh, or talent group we're giving feedback we're giving it's a big deal you know yeah. it is it's like the, the ghosting thing and on the flip side we're letting our clients know why we feel like this is a good fit match and maybe they are a little outside the box but what our thoughts were and it's up to our clients to kind of decide that but we always give the information to them What's interesting about what you just described is that I like what you said about contingent versus hourly. Right. So you're not getting paid when you place someone. So right. that it puts the it puts it back on you to make sure that you're sourcing the best people possible. Correct. Correct. And also it takes away the attachment of the hire itself, right? Because you know, where these are humans, we're, we're just two humans <laughs> connecting. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't for whatever reason. But it also allows there to be like a lot of transparency because it's not a transactional piece. When you are recruiting, you're recruiting people. It's not a transaction, you know? And a lot of times I think in recruiting, I'm not saying all recruit, contingent recruiting, but a lot of times it feels very transactional for clients and for candidates. 
One of the phrases that has popped up in the world of work is the great resignation and, you know, work from home and and all of these pretty massive changes to how we view work. How has that impacted the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is like COVID really shifted everything, right? People kind of went home and like realized, man, I I like being here. You know, <laughs> I, I like having less of a commute. I enjoy maybe able to um, have more connection with my family and all those types of things, or maybe jumping into work. I work from home. I love it. Right. I, I think there are more and more candidates that definitely want more of that work-life balance, or there is availability to be able to work from home, even for a couple of days a week. But I also think that if you are a company that it needs to be a situation where you are working from home and that's what it is, but you also give that flexibility to your to your people, your once you feel that trust with them, that if they have a soccer game for their child or they need to run to a doctor's appointment, it's not something. It's just, okay, this is just make sure you get your things done. I also think that that's okay as well. I think it's not necessarily about the work from home as much as the environment itself is conducive to understanding that nobody's a robot. We're all humans. <laughs> we all have things going on in our lives. And it's okay to not get a hundred and 2000% to your job, you can have other things going on and, and companies understanding that and yeah. having like caring about their people. Like if you create an environment where your leaders actually care and actually create an environment where there's, there is growth and, and these culture things are just something on a wall, we actually live these values as an organization, then people are much more likely to feel fine with going to work. It's not going to be a problem, right? It's interesting because as you're describing the relationship that you have with your companies, on on some hand, you have the ability to impact the leadership to really make sure that they're living their values. Right. And right. What, what's interesting though is like I can imagine that it's, there's some there's a balance there because you don't I, I imagine you don't fully want to take on a client who's 100 percent in alignment. Because right. you might have the the opposite problem as right. when you take someone that it's a lot of work to try to like right. get them to see why values are important. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a mix. I mean, you know, we're an organization, we're a company. We have, you know, we 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 need to generate a profit. It's what it is. <laughs> and also, like our model, I want it to be something. I mean, I created this company with the idea of changing how like the whole process is done. It's like a much bigger impact for me. So yes, helping companies that maybe not be are quite in alignment, but are open to that communication and are open to hearing different things, even if they don't necessarily implement it right away, but they're open to it and there's a dialogue. Yes, I'm absolutely comfortable with working with clients like that as well. For us, it's about communication. Like we need transparency. We need feedback. Yeah. We, I told my clients, we're going to bug you. Like you're going to be sick of us because that's what we want to do. Like we want to, because because I tell people like recruiting is like herding cats. Like, no, it's hard. It's, and it's also no one really will take responsibility of it. But it's something that's so important for an organization for so many reasons, because hiring good people, first of all, obviously, it helps to grow your organization and create your, you know, have more of your vision or your mission. But on the flip side, if you don't hire the right people, A, they are causing havoc and, and issues throughout your groups. And second of all, 
not taking the time, like spending months and months and months and a year looking for someone that's burning out all the other people that are having to take on that responsibility. So then that creates another level, right? So there's a lot of pieces that come along with it. And it's expensive to hire the wrong person. You hire the wrong person, you onboard them, you run the training, you're putting a lot of time and energy and resources, and, and then they're not the right person. And that happens, right? But what we try to do is present options so that if we're not 100%, but we, we're we a lot closer because we talk to a lot more people, we're communicating a lot more people, sourcing through hundreds and hundreds of resumes, we're having lots of conversations. And we're also having a lot of direct conversations with the clients as well as to what the market is. Yeah. So when you're looking for people to fill a specific role, it's it's one thing for you to be looking for someone, but how does an individual present themselves in a better light to be found for those yeah. jobs? I mean, I, I you really need to be brand. I mean, branding yourself like you need to be on LinkedIn. You need to have a nice LinkedIn profile. I mean, that's where recruiters go. That's I mean, that's what companies go. They use the recruit the LinkedIn as like it is like so important. You know, to have a professional photo out. Spend an hour updating your thing. Get some references. I mean, really jazz that thing up because it is your kind of marketing branding tool. Um, indeed, as well. Take that time on the resume too. Like, you have to take the time on the resume. It's, I mean, even though I know it's frustrating because it takes a lot of time and people are like, I don't like, but you, but take the time to put that up there. And if you need to go get resources to get help with that resume, go get the resources because that. I read somewhere that read like recruiters look at a resume like for 10 seconds when they look at a resume. I mean, it's like quick, right? If you're actively looking and you really want to get noticed by recruiters, you just make sure your resume looks clean. No typos, like easy to understand. No 10 page resumes. Like I know that you want to put everything on there, but don't put everything on. If you're in a project manager, make sure you have project lists. What types of projects have you worked on? The other piece in the resume is make sure you're talking about what you've done to help these companies that you've been part of. The, the hard skills are really important, right? Like the actual technical skills, but what have you done individually that contributed to this company? Because a company is going to be like, we need that. We need that. Oh, they've already done this. And I've seen that so many times. Hmm. So yeah, that's what I would say. Like, just be on top of it. Treat it like it's a full-time job. How much does being an interesting person factor into it as well because you mentioned technical skills obviously you want that technical ability but like having interests beyond work that are oh wow you're an underwater scuba diver you know well a scuba diver is underwater but you get the idea <laughs> um i think that the personality piece plays into it of course but i think it's always that's also the kind of role, right? Some roles are going to be someone who's more of an introvert type of quieter personality type. Maybe a little bit more, um, they're probably going to be a little bit, their jobs are going to be a little bit different than someone who's like a salesperson who's very extroverted. So you have to kind of take that in effect. I think more what we're looking for is what is the candidate's values? We ask a lot of questions about behavior. Tell us about your childhood. Tell us not your childhood. What did you do as a kid? <laughs> did you have a job? Tell us what your kind of hobbies you have. And if someone can communicate that to you, like their passions and what they enjoy doing and their values, mm -hmm. you know, because it all starts with their values. Like it's not something we taught, right? We ask a lot of questions about situations where there's failure, mistakes. How did it, was it handled? And we look for, are, were they did they take a responsibility, like accountability? You know, are they okay with failure? So more than personality, I think we're more looking for the type of person that's very growth oriented, 
mm-hmm. that sees opportunity and understands that there are bad days and have, you know, understand how to navigate what they want. Like what you talked about, like they really understand what they want. They understand their value. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important is that confidence piece. Yeah. I love the distinction between value and values too, because they have to be intertwined to some degree. Yeah. Like if you're living your values, you're going to have a stronger sense of your own value. Yes. Yes. And you're also going to have a stronger sense. I think when you are someone who has a stronger confidence or values in yourself, you also are able to let, be like less judgmental towards other people. You're also able to be less reactive towards other people and understand like where someone's coming from. And you, I think I, I do feel like people who take a lot of responsibility, accountability, they also tend to be someone who's um, more practical and and understands their emotions a little bit more and is less reactive and more responsive with situations. Yeah. You said something curious, Suman, about you know recruiters looking at a resume for like ten seconds. And immediately the first thing that popped into my head is the the hot topic of the day, which is generative artificial intelligence. How is that going to impact recruiting, you think? I mean, I think there's always a place for everything, right? I think the AI technology is awesome. I think there's some really good way, you know, with the do some social media posts or the blog entries, and obviously there's some great information. You can have some templates made and those types of pieces. But I don't think it'll ever sort of replace what a human a conversation between two people it's more than just the words that are said right there's always like a little bit of like you feel something in that energy of that space and i don't think that's what's and that's like that's just something that ai will never have they don't have that piece and i don't know what that piece is i'm not going to go into a whole thing but i don't know what that piece is but whatever that piece is you define for you every human has it yeah And, and ai doesn't have it and they won't ever have that. They just won't. Because whether you say it's soul or connection to God or how universe, whatever that is, mm-hmm. there is a bigger, we have a bigger purpose than what we believe ourselves to be. I mean, you're human, right? And we do all the human things, but there is something else that's intangible right. that only unique to humans. And AI will never have that. Right. In, in a way, it's like with, with the technology, it's, it's pure information. Like it's, it's everything that you would ever want to know about this person. Right. And yet when you come across a person, you know, everything that's not on the list in that instant. And, yeah. and that's the, that's what will never be found. No, because everybody has their circumstances. You might look at someone's background and, and think, mm, and then, and then you have a conversation with them and you understand, like, I've had situations where like a really good candidate, it's like they have this huge gap in their resume. And and I'm like, well, I'm curious, right? Like, what's the story here? And there is a story, you know, like I had a situation with a candidate a few years ago that, you know, his mother got very ill. He had to leave work, you know, and he had to take care of her. She had cancer. And that is something that's very understandable, right? That's like, oh, and you would never know that just based on looking at the resume. You would have thought, well, why hasn't this guy worked for two years? Like, what's he right. been doing, right? But the truth was he was doing something that was, you know, that was still work. <laughs> it was just yeah. a different type, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and, and going back to what you said earlier, you learn about that person and their values in that simple act. Well, not simple, but in that act of of caring for a loved one for two yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, you know, and then you talk to them about it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we've had candidates who just got through really ugly divorces and, you know, and, and, and you're like, okay, let's talk about it. You know, I mean, we're not therapists, but we understand right. and we're giving, you know, we're giving advice and we're like, okay, well, maybe they're a little more emotionally reactive than they would normally be because of circumstances. You're like, okay, let's tone it down when you interview, right? Yeah. You're having those conversations because you realize it's just not who they really are. It's the circumstances of what they're experiencing. Yeah. So with your work, you mentioned that you're really in it for a greater impact and that that's your purpose. As you do your work, what are the stories that really elevate that impact on a consistent basis? I think it's just when I like, when I get these, you know, when my candidates reach out to our people we've placed and they are like, thank you so much. You know, I had a candidate, I've told this story a few times, I had a candidate who I placed a few months ago, I think six months ago. And she was in an environment where like her boss would get angry and like throw paper at her. Like it was like very toxic, obviously. And she's like, I have to get out of here. I I can't be here. And now she's, you know, sending a message a few months ago. I'm like, so happy. They're so nice. I'm so, and that, or like this, like I, I, I pulled my daughter, my, I have a 10 year old and my daughter was like, always like, what do you do? Why are you on the phone? Who are you talking to? And I said, the other, like, I said, do you want to hear, do you want to see what mommy does? And she's like, yeah, so it was like six o'clock or something. And I said, you're really quiet. So then I, so my client had called me and told me, um, this, this girl had gotten this job for this position and it was like her dream job. And the client was so excited to, so I got to like tell her and my daughter was right there. And it was so exciting to, to hear like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Because it is a big deal. And on the client side to see like the candidates you've placed that are like succeeding and they're growing and they're moving up in the organization, they're adding really value and they're happy. Mm-hmm. And it's making, because the thing is when, if you're an owner, vice president, these hot, you know, executive level leadership positions, you're not sleeping at night. If you don't have the right people, you are stressed out. It is affecting your family. It is affecting your relationship with your wife. It is affecting your relationship with your kids. It is affecting your business on a much bigger level. That's who feels the brunt of all the stress. So when you have the right people and someone's taking that off your plate, you're like, I can breathe. With all of the work that you've done placing people and building relationships with other businesses, what do you take away from all of that experience and bring it into your own business? Because, you know, in a way, you're you're not only helping other people, but you're building your own business. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, a lot of it's from the mistakes I've made. You know, I've been recruiting for 20 years and I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> you know, um, I haven't always done things with the utmost integrity in mind, you know, early on in my career. You know, maybe I made questionable decisions and those did play out in my life later in life. Right. Yeah. I didn't always ask for help when I needed help. I sort of tried to take everything on myself. So and I also just the money part of the recruiting piece can be really overwhelming because in the contingent side, I mean, those placement fees are 20, 25 percent placement fees and you are only making money if you place that candidate. So it is a very hustle, hustle, hustle with my next deal hustle mentality. And I didn't want that. I didn't want that for this company. I wanted to create a, something that was of value, something that was actually less expensive, something that was less expensive and better, <laughs> which is pretty crazy that I don't know any other industry you could do that in. Yeah. But that's actually what we created. And so that's really what 
it comes down to is like all the mistakes and all the times I fell down and all the things I didn't do right. I learned from those and I take that into this business like with a different perspective now. It's very interesting. You said charge less money, but have greater value. And I think from the perspective of like creative businesses, you know, because a lot of people that listen to the show are creative entrepreneurs. And and I think that's something that seems sometimes backwards in thinking, but you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes it's it's you can make more, maybe not financial benefits, yeah. but other benefits that that really help you. Yeah, because for me, it's like when I had my business before and I was, you know, so stressed out. And it was interfering so much in my family, like the amount of stress it put on just all of it, even though I was making all that money and it didn't matter because we were, you know, my husband and I were at each other's throats. We were fighting, you know, we were managing a young child. It was a lot. And now I don't have that, Yeah, you know? So now it's like, well, I get to do it the way that feels good to me because I do everything from within me and I just push it out. And this is how I live my life. You know, so I feel like you can still make a lot of money, you know, it's, it's unlimited, but you can help more people that yeah. maybe it wouldn't be accessible to, yeah. you know, for all companies. My mind is blown by that phrase. I do everything within me and then push it out. What do you mean by that? I mean, I, I believe that everything is a reflection of what is within us. Right. So like I've done so much work on myself for to heal and not that I'm a hundred percent, but I've done a lot of mindset work and, and trauma work and emotional work and all these things. Like during COVID, I kind of took a break and I went through the last five years. I've been on this very, like, I've invested a lot of time and energy and money into my own place, right? To, to not use the external world as my template, but to use what's inside me that I have the power, that I'm the creator of my own reality. And that can only happen by tea taking responsibility, by me understanding that everything lives within me and I just push it out. So anyone that triggers me, anyone that upsets me, that's an opportunity for me to look at myself and see how, why those questions come in place. So when you're asked about what am I most curious? I'm curious about humans. I'm curious yeah. how we work, Yeah, including myself. So that's, I don't know, that's, that's how I live my life yeah. because I really try to live from this place of, okay, and it's. I mean, I, I'm not a religious person, but I try to say what's going to serve my soul first or God or however it feels good to you. What's going to serve that place in me? And then what other pieces are going to come from that? Because I feel like that you serve from there. Everything comes. I like that a lot. It, it comes back to this underlying theme throughout the conversation. Work is more than just work. It's yeah. it's everything that's within us. and And... Yeah, we we make ourselves attractive to other people, to other businesses, based upon the work that we've done within. Yeah, because because the more that we feel worthy within ourselves, the more that we know who we are, the more confidence that trust that we have, and trust and confidence comes from us taking actions that are scary. I mean, really, even their small actions. It's about consistency in actions. It's about creating habits that are healthy. It's about doing things before you're ready. <laughs> and I think that's the one of the hardest places to be in the workplace is this idea of perfectionism or this pace, place of believing that I'm just going to wait 
Because when when the time comes, the time no. Like your best time to find a new job is when you're in a job and you're already thinking, okay, maybe there's something else here. And you start putting that out, right? You start kind of checking around because you're not in this, you're not going to be, you have to take your time and you, and there's always opportunities, right? So yeah, I just think everything is about ourselves and the more work that we do within ourselves and it just shows up in our reality because we create from our own place. The word that popped into mind was abundance. Yeah. Because we are really are, but I don't want to get all cheesy and like woo woo. Oh, get, get cheesy. It's but, Monday. We need but to. Every, yeah. But I mean, you know, that's who we are. Yeah. We are enough. We are worthy. We are abundant. We are all these incredible, amazing things. We really are. We are like so more powerful, so much, so unlimited. And, and it's only us that stops ourselves because the thing is all of us that go through painful situations, every single one of us, but it's our choice if we suffer or we heal. What advice do you have for people who are maybe stuck in some hurtful experiences, however that's defined, Right. who might hear this and be like, that sounds great but you don't know my experience. Right. Obviously finding some of a professional help is such a good place to start. I know people feel like therapy or coaches or those types of things are, are like weakness. I know men especially have that kind of belief. Um, I think women are much more open to these types of things, but I think men have a harder time with it. But I think the thing is the reason you go to a therapist or you hire a life coach or whatever it is, the type, whatever kind of work you use or multiple coaches or whatever. Is these are people that have experienced it and they've lived it and they're on the other side of it. And so they understand your journey and that's what it is. It's not that anyone's more special than anyone else. It's just some of us have gone through really horrible things and have, have, got to the other side of it and some of us are still stuck there and that's okay and we just need someone to help us as we go through it mm-hmm. process it yeah i'm just i i've enjoyed this conversation so much because it's it's so much more than just i find people and i put them in jobs i mean it's complicated it's deep work it's amazing i mean i love it i love connecting with people i love learning their stories i love understanding them i love talking to our I love meeting with the clients and understanding there, how did your company start and who really, who are you as a company and what your values are. And I really enjoy it. And I love to keep the, all the connections, the relationships I build with people, you know, it's really fun for me. Yeah. Well, and having been in the business for 20 years, I mean, you're obviously doing something right. (laughs) I think so. I'm pretty, I, I feel like, you know, I'm really intuitive. I've been doing this a long time, so I'm pretty intuitive. My The recruiters I work with are really intuitive as well. And I think that we take the time to really understand who our client is and who our candidate is. And we're really good about getting feedback. Like, we don't get our feelings hurt. We're okay with it. Like, tell us the truth, you know? We want transparency and authenticity. We want good communication. That is, like, the key for us. Well, as we wrap up our time together, what wisdom would you like to leave with the audience? If you are on the fence about something and you're really passionate about it and you're tipping your toes in it, do it even just a little bit. Just take a small step towards it. Because the only way to get unstuck 
is by moving yourself through the unstuckness. And that's by taking small steps through it. Amazing. Well, final question for you, Suman. Mm-hmm. What book, podcast, or resource is blowing your mind right now? Oh my gosh, I'm actually reading a Crant Cordon book right now. Sell or Be Sold. It's an older book of his. I've read some of his other books. It's all about talking about how everything is sales. Everything is like we're all in the business of sales, even if we don't realize we are and how important it is. I just started it. I really love it. But the other books that I love, if you're looking for something not so professional based, but still very helpful as far as how to rewire the subconscious and learning about that, there is a gentleman named Joe Dispenza. He is incredible. I've read a lot of his books. I've done his meditations. He can learn all about him. And he explains everything in very practical, logical ways. And his ways of um, helping and rewiring the subconscious and helping us break some of these patterns, it's very, very, very beneficial. And it's not super hard as well. I always love conversations centered around our shared humanity and learning how to see ourselves as valuable and worthy in the work that we do and the lives that we live. But if there was a mic drop moment for me in this conversation, it's when Suman described her business as something that she wanted to create that was less expensive and more valuable than what others were doing in her industry. And to me, I see the direct correlation with what we do as creative entrepreneurs. Yes, we want to make a living. Yes, we want to have financial impact. And I don't think that's what she's talking about. And I think she even said that. But I think it's about not just chasing dollars, but being of value to other people. And I think that's something that I'm going to think a lot about. Yes, it's about making sure that we are financially responsible. But really, what is that impact that we're having on others? That, to me, is the deeper question. And I hope you found some questions in this episode to ask and explore in your own life and work as well. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.